Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. You're listening to the COB podcast here from AusBiz. It's October the 25th. I'm your host, David Scott, joined today by Kyle Rotter on this budget eve. Uh, Kyle, a uh, pretty exciting time. Oh, yeah. I couldn't sleep last night. Um, you know, I've been preparing all the materials for, for what could come up and, you know, the market impacts and everything. It's just an absolute thrill to be, uh, to be only a few hours away. Absolutely. Uh, look, let's go and kick off with the budget because it was a little bit influential in parts of our market today, particularly the lithium sector and uh, those critical minerals uh, that likely get a budget boost coming through the, some of the leaks that we've seen. But so, yeah, what, what are your expectations around the budget? Is it going to be like a big you know, kind of wowzer or is it just going to be kind of like a, a budget update per se and not really going to have that, uh, that impact that so many people are looking for? Well, everyone that I've spoken to hasn't really identified it as being perhaps what you could say is a, a key risk to the market or a, a you know a potential key catalyst. Um, I guess everything that we need to know is probably already in there, isn't it? Is that it's going to be um, relatively austere. They're probably going to deliver uh, a message or two about fiscal con- consolidation. I guess that there'll be a few little areas of the market that could be, be you know could benefit from you know any additional spending that the government wants to embark on to try and sort of ease some of the cost of living pressures or um, you know ease some of those sort of supply side constraints that can sort of put up with pressure on inflation but for the most part I mean I, I think in my short time in markets I've only seen probably like two budgets that have really rocked things uh, a great deal one was one of the COVID budgets one of them was the I think the 2014 budget from the um, the, uh, the sort of Abbott, Abbott hockey team, I think that was 2014 or 2013, when, you know, there was that kind of whole tighten your bootstraps language going on. But um, I think on the aggregate, the ma- markets are going to sort of obviously push push past this. There's much bigger bigger issues to, to consider. But uh, there might be some pockets there that people want to peruse through to see. Like you said, with the lithium names, if there's anything that could be, uh, you know, another, another tailwind to, to, to industries like that. Yeah, look, uh, looking at what the uh, performance of the uh, the broader ASX 200 and also the uh, the X2C, the uh, CBO Australia 200, I know very modest gains coming through over the course of session, but you put in context of some of the individual performances that came through. Sayonara mining up uh, handy 12.9%. It's got its quarterly coming up, but of course those are those tailwinds from potential incentives coming through in the budget helping. Also looking at the likes of Liontown up uh, 4.8%, Core Lithium. 4.6%, all that incentive to go and value add as well as another key thing that uh, needs to be considered in the budget. So there are clearly some winners. Uh, also, of course, from the, uh, the building material sector, I uh, know plans to go and build up to a million houses over the next decade. So I'll say that's what the, uh, the, the leaks suggest, uh, certainly helping at the margin as well across some individual names out there on the local market. But uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of movement on the headline level today. But uh, once again, 
more concerns surrounding China. We saw China's uh, currency go on weak into the uh, offshore yuan, weak into fresh record lows versus the greenback. And a uh, bit choppy uh, in early trade. Uh, there's some big, uh, big declines coming through again on those mainland indices, but uh, they reversed. But uh, it spilled over to our local market and uh, the material space uh, and energy. The two clear laggards today coming through, looking at some of the iron ore miners in particular, all seen declines around about 1.5% to uh, Fortescue's case, nearly 3% in total. So, yeah, what do you make about some of this stock in China, Carl? Because uh, certainly it's, uh, it's having a bit of an impact there. It makes you wonder how long this optimism in other parts, particularly in the equity markets, can go and persist. Yeah, well, I was talking to Mark and Crab at the end of the day, and he was just sort of describing it as basically uh, foreign capital trying to get out of there, that China's becoming increasingly difficult to invest in. Um, I sort of put the question as to whether it was people trying to get their money out of the region, and he, he sort of said, said that perhaps that's not, not the case. But, I mean, it was interesting because we were kind of insulated from what was a pretty radical sell-off yesterday. I mean, what was it? Hang Seng was down you know, a few percent. Hang Seng Tech Index was down, I think, as much as 6%. Chinese stocks were took, took a little bit of a bath. I mean, things weren't quite as severe um, today, but you, you could see the drop in the market. We had a pretty positive open. And then by about 12 o'clock, which is typically when you start to see the Asian region starting to really light up as far as activity, we had a real weight on the market throughout the day. So starting to, it would seem, affect things. I mean, maybe it's a bit of technicals at play too, but... Um, the whole notion that we have a, a Chinese economy that's going to remain more or less in some state of lockdown for a while, um, a Chinese government increasingly centralised, or at least in terms of its authority, plus all the other headwinds to growth that we know that are sort of stemming from 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 China's economy doesn't doesn't sort of seem to be providing much impetus for uh, for investors to get it to have sort of any exposure to um to to, ch- to Chinese assets. So it's um just a, just another bloodbath, really. Yeah, just looking across the local market, some of the names that are exposed to China, of course, so no, New Hope Coal, Coronado Coal, Sanfire Resources, uh, Whitehaven, as Minerals and the like, all down the vicinity around about 4% plus at this point. So yeah, a variety of different factors, but the, but, uh, the, the underlying messages, so no, clearly some concern is still there about uh, what's going on with China and the outlook, despite the release of that better than expected, largely better than expected. Uh, industrial and fixed asset and uh, GDP figures that were released yesterday. I tell you what, uh, Reliance Worldwide, uh, the plumbing uh, business, uh, look, used to be very lucrative, particularly during the, uh, the heydays of peak pandemic, but uh, now we're talking about inflation and, of course, and recession risks. And uh, it was warning about currency headwinds, margin headwinds, and splat down uh, 13.6% on the day. It was the uh, chief laggard on the 200 today. Also, Ampol. Uh, coming out. I know one of its divisions really stuttered compared to, I know, some of its refining margins that we're seeing elsewhere. And uh, the market didn't like what they hear. They uh, marked it down 12.4%. Viva Energy also off the vicinity of 3.2%. So a bit of spillover effects coming through there. Uh, look, uh, on the show today, what were some of the other uh, memorable chats? You mentioned uh, Martin Crabb, always good value to go and round off a Tuesday. Anything else really caught your eye today? Well, I mean, I didn't have too much uh, responsibility to today compare, uh, on air because we had um, a big chat between uh, Koshi and Alan Joyce, of course, the CEO of Qantas, that took up about 30, 35 minutes of my, uh, of my afternoon. So if, uh, if folks are interested in, in terms of listening to that story, that's going to be, uh, I believe, up on the website as well shortly. But, I mean, there was obviously Martin, who is also f- is always fantastic on a, on a Tuesday afternoon to talk, talk markets. He um, actually spoke emerging markets a lot, um, said BRIC is dead, of course, the acronym being Brazil, Russia, India, China, that uh, the R and the C there are pretty much uninvestable. B's got its own issues, and, well, India 
there's uh, perhaps a, an eye or investment team there, but uh, the the the, the, uh, the as a block, uh, more or less, it's uh, it's over and done with. Um, other conversations that I had that were in- really interesting: Carl Tannenbaum, um, a guest of the show in the past, but he is from Northern Trust, chief economist there, traveling through from the state. So we had him on the on the desk. He also gave his view on what's going on in China right now, especially the longer term factors that uh, are driving things like demographics and structural growth issues, etc., and the kind of policy uh, changes in this climate that might be necessary to be able to you know maintain the growth levels that that the Chinese economy um, or Chinese policymakers are hoping to achieve. Actually, probably even worth mentioning Chris Weston on the trade today, giving us a bit of a trader's playbook of how to tackle volatile, volatile environments. So those are those are probably my, uh, my three highlights, really. Um, also, actually, the only other interview I can think that I, I did have was Mal- Malcolm Wood from Old Manette, also gave some great insights too. So had a, had a, had a quality there of good interviews. So it was uh, certainly for me quality over quantity today. Absolutely. Well, sounds like you had a good day. Uh, look, uh, Ben Clark from TMS Capital. He uh, he went and joined me. He had a buy, hold, and sell worthwhile. Uh, a variety of different sectors there, and some uh, some pretty good rationale, particularly around the sell. So make sure you go and listen to that one. That was towards the end of the interview. Also, Alex Leyland. Uh, he was out with some stocks, locally listed stocks, that Warren Buffett might be interested in. Now that's right. a pretty good selling point in itself. Uh, yeah, um, obviously Warren's a pretty good value investor at the moment. Uh, Good, uh, good eye for oligopolistic uh, no, business models and uh, structures. And, uh, yeah, yeah. capitalised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He know, he knows, he, he knows how to go and work it. It's pretty, a pretty simple business model that he runs to, and it's, uh, it's succeeded over decades and numerous economic cycles as well. Yeah. Philip Pepe as well from Shore and Partners was another one of the great interviews that you can find in our newsletter today. I mentioned Ampol earlier on. I probably missed my segue, but uh, it was our stock of the day today. So. Koshi sat down with two experts to go get their views as to what they think of Apple following its disappointing update. Oh, it's not my type of company, no. but I can see the attraction that it's all else being equal. It, it, it does pay you a, a, a good dividend right. and, and has over the years. Work on six years. We yeah. don't, you know, one, one good year does not mean that's now the new norm. Yep. Yeah. So we wouldn't look at it. Okay. So there we have it. Uh, Rudy Philippic Van Dyke from FN Arena and Mark Morland from Team Invest. Yeah, not buying the dip on this occasion. So yeah, it won't be put up for the investment committee at this stage. Uh, Kyle, to go and wrap up, you mentioned uh, no, there's a lot of bigger fish to fry when it comes to uh, markets. Uh, no interest at this point in time beyond the federal budget, uh, of course, tomorrow. Uh, that pesky inflation report in Australia. Will we be really that different to the rest of the world? Uh, do you have any uh, any view on that? Well, not a big one, other than it's probably going to have a seven in front of it, so it should be interesting. But, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you look at what's expected to be revealed in the budget papers tonight, as well as what the RBA has been telling us, they're kind of highballing the public and markets' expectations. So, you know, seven and a half, seven and three quarter percent is, is what they're suggesting inflation will peak out in this cycle. So I think everyone's kind of prepared that, you know, more or less, um, that's that's where we're heading at some point in time. Anything that probably doesn't get to that bar won't, um, I mean, it's very unlikely that we're going to see an eight or anything like that in front of the inflation figure tonight. Um, anything that doesn't exceed that bar will will probably just be sort of pushed pushed beyond um, and moved on uh, from. It's, it's very difficult to see anything that will change the RBA's tax um, to go 25. They've almost painted themselves into a corner, really, to go, to, to go that 25 again next week. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what's going on below the surface. We'll keep an eye on that trimmed mean figure. Let's see if it's as sticky and as stubborn as what we're seeing in the United States. 
Um, and then, you know, of course, too, that we'll be going into, you know, uh, the NACB meeting, um, a few uh, earnings releases out in the United States, which will all be, you know, market moving, of course. Yeah, Tech Titans today. I had a good chat with Lachlan Hughes from Small Asset Management. He's an expert when it comes to tech earnings. So, worth your while as well. You can find that on the website ahead of those key earnings groups. But back to the inflation report. I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen with rents because we've seen so many private sector surveys coming out showing massive increases coming through. I remember when I was uh, just leaving Sydney, my landlord at the time was bumping my rent up by a cool 20%, just like that. So, it's a good time to go and up and leave. But uh, just an anecdotal evidence, you know, from what I'm hearing from other people as well that uh, the rents have been on the rise quite sharply, but uh, the ABS series has been quite muted to this point. But we know the impact the rental uh, growth has had on the uh, the US inflation series. So I wonder whether we might go and see some of that pass-through coming through in the quarterly update out tomorrow. That will be interesting in itself. But ahead of that, of course, uh, we'll see what happens later on tonight. Uh, Jim Chalmers stepping up at bat for the first time. Left his box to go and give his uh, first budget address. Uh, interesting to see how it uh, all comes out in the wash, but we'll have full coverage, of course, tomorrow, Carl, uh, kicking off from 8.30. All the great uh, economic minds are going to cast their own at the vote and their views as to what to expect. My two cents is that uh, pay pretty close attention to the, uh, the budget parameters, the forecasts that are put in it, because the, uh, the actual figures that will get released uh, no, at 7.30 tonight are all underpinned by them. If they're not believable, well, the rest of the budget papers are not going to be that believable <laughs> as well. So <laughs> keep a close eye on that as well. I'm sure I'll be tweeting about it uh, undoubtedly when, I, when I'm sitting down to go watch it later on this evening. But, so big day ahead for us tomorrow, mate. Let's go and uh, wrap it up there. Thanks for your company. And uh, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow. Looking forward to it.